So we've started a new fall sermon series. We started it last week on Homecoming Sunday called Stories of Jesus. We're looking at stories that Jesus told as well as stories about Jesus, uh, what he did, what he said, so that we can learn more about him and uh, with the ultimate goal, of course, to know him better so that we can follow him uh, as Christians. Uh, last week on Homecoming and Groundbreaking Sunday, we started with that parable of the wise and foolish builder uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. And we talked about how important it is to have strong foundations in life. Just like building a house, it's important for us to have strong foundations on which we build our lives. And so we uh, specifically lifted up four different areas or four different factors. The first was faith. Faith in God, a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second was family. And I said that so many of the problems in our culture today can be directly traced back to the breakdown of the family. And I said that's not a political talking point, that's just a sad reality, that family is very important and the role that parents and grandparents play is essential in the lives of our children. We then talked about friends and community and how important it is to surround yourself with uh, people who will make you better, who will challenge you, who will bring out the best in you, and having a community is essential. And then lastly, we talked about service to others. Uh, these things should be our priorities in life. These things should serve as our foundations in life. And today we move ahead to Matthew chapter 8, to another story that happens on the Sea of Galilee. It's evening time. Jesus and his disciples get on a boat and they head out to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Matthew tells us that a great windstorm arises and the waves started beating against the boat and the boat was being swamped by the storm. But Jesus, probably tired from a, a long day of, of teaching, was in the stern of the boat asleep on a cushion. But the disciples begin to panic and they go and they wake him up and they say, Lord, save us. We are perishing. And with that, Jesus gets up and he asks them, why are you afraid? You of little faith. He then gets up and he rebukes the wind and the sea and there was a dead calm. And the disciples are filled with great awe. And they ask, who is this? And even the wind and the sea obey him. If you read Mark's account of this passage, this story, Jesus actually says, peace be still to the wind and the waves. But whatever it is that happened on that boat, we know that the storm died down and the wind ceased and the disciples were utterly amazed. Do we face storms in life? Absolutely. There are all kinds of storms and every single one of us has found ourselves in the midst of a storm, overwhelmed, panicking, scared, afraid, a gut-wrenching divorce with lawyers and legal fees, battles over the custody of the children, a secret affair that gets discovered, the feeling of ultimate betrayal, a drinking problem that has gotten out of hand, the loss of a child to cancer, the backstabbing of somebody that you thought was your friend, the loss of a job that you loved, financial hardships, miscarriages even after the first trimester and you thought you were in the clear, a parent getting diagnosed with dementia, a teenager 
who has a drug addiction and, and won't tell the truth. You name it, life is full of storms. And in those storms, we feel like the waves are beating against us, the winds are howling, the rain is falling, we can't see what's ahead of us, and sometimes we don't know or we don't feel like we're going to make it through. And let's be honest this morning, the storms of life can consume us. This storm in Matthew's gospel was consuming the disciples. They were terrified. They were afraid. But Jesus asks them, why are you afraid? You have little faith. You know, I've been through storms in my own life. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was in graduate school, and I don't care how old you are when that happens, you feel like your foundation has been ripped out from under you. I lost a mother to suicide. A few years later, it was horrible. Definitely the worst storm I've ever been through. I have close friends who are in the midst of storms right now. One friend who is bravely battling colon cancer, and she has been an inspiration to me and to many others in this church. I know somebody who lost a 19-year-old son this summer right before he was about to head off to college. Had his whole future ahead of him. We all go through storms, whether we like it or not, and so we all must figure out not how to avoid the storms because that's impossible. We must figure out how to manage those storms because they don't last forever, thank goodness. Jesus asked the disciples, why are you afraid? You have little faith. And I think he would ask us the same question. Why are you afraid? You have little faith. That might be the best message for Christians to hear over and over again. Stop living in fear. Stop worrying so much. It's going to be okay. It may not be the way we drew it up. It may not be the way that we planned for it to play out. It may not be what we wanted or what we dreamed about, but it's going to be okay. Too many of us live our lives in fear every single day. And it's not healthy. We fear we're going to run out of money before we run out of years because people are now living much longer than they did before. We fear that we might be abandoned. We fear that others will reject us. We fear that our lives won't amount to anything. We fear that our health is going to decline. We fear that our kids won't appreciate or respect us. We fear that our marriage isn't going to last. We fear that our country isn't the same that it once was. We fear that Nashville is growing too fast. We fear that our health is, is not going to be good as we get older. We fear that our best years could be behind us. And yes, we fear that one day we're going to die. But a life of fear is no life at all. Being afraid all the time, anxious all the time, worried all the time, scared all the time, nervous all the time, it sucks the joy out of living. It's not what God intends. It's not what Jesus meant when he said, I came that you may have life in all of its fullness, in all of its abundance. And I believe that managing anxiety is one of the most challenging aspects of being a human being, because anxiety, according to Paul Tillich, is basically fear of the unknown. It's fear that does not have an object. So we know that we're afraid, but we can't name exactly what it is that we're afraid of. One of my mentors in the ministry, Fred Craddock, uh, preached an Easter sermon one time where he said this. He said, afraid, afraid, afraid. Afraid, afraid, afraid. That's the refrain 
of what we are and what we do. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to live and love and laugh. Don't be afraid to give and serve and care. Don't be afraid to speak and do. That's the message of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because he told us, I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. But do we believe that? Jesus says, peace be still. And sometimes in the midst of life's most challenging situations, we need to hear that same thing, those words, peace, be still, calm down. It's going to be okay. I did a lot of um, research work at Swanee on uh, a couple people, but one of them is a guy named Stanley Harawas. And Harawas has published a lot of books, um, so there's a lot to read. But he wrote extensively throughout his career and is still writing about the issues of control and inner peace. And there was this book that he wrote back in, I think, 1983 called The Peaceable Kingdom. And this is what Stanley says. He says, our need to be in control is the basis for the violence of our lives. For since our control and power cannot help but be built on an insufficient basis, we must use force to maintain the illusion that we are in control. We are deeply afraid of losing what unity of self we have achieved. And any idea or person that threatens that unity must either be manipulated or eliminated. So our need for control, if we're honest, is one of the main things that keeps us from inner peace. Harawas says to become followers of Jesus means that we must, like him, be dispossessed of all that we think gives us power over our own lives and the lives of others. Unless we learn to relinquish our presumption that we can ensure the significance of our lives, we are not capable of the peace of God's kingdom. There's a guy in New York named Peter Scazzaro, and, and uh, Scazzaro has kind of become known for uh, talking about emotionally healthy spirituality, emotionally healthy leadership. He thinks that that's one of the things that the church has missed out on is, is this, this concept of emotional intelligence and how do we build that? How do we create that? And, and he says there are three things that we need to keep in mind uh, if we want to achieve emotionally healthy living or spirituality. The first, he says, is slow down. Stop trying to do more than you can do. Be realistic about what you can take on. Don't schedule more than you should. Learn to say no and don't feel guilty about it. Uh, unless it's coming from the church, you better say yes. But stop living so fast and out of control. And if many of us are honest, we know, especially those of us that are parents, that we need to slow down a little bit. We can't do everything that we think we want to do. The second thing he says is anchor yourself in the love of God. Realize that God loves you no matter what happens in life. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, and some of us need to sit back and let God love us a little bit more. Some of us need to experience that grace because we're really hard on ourselves. If you're a one on the Enneagram, you're really hard on yourself. Let God love you. Experience that love. The third thing that he says is we need to break free from the illusions that are often in our heads. We fight many battles between our two ears, things that we believe and worry about, that may not even be real, but we convince ourselves that certain things are true. Mark Twain once said, I've had many worries in my life, 
most of which never actually happened. You see, the world is bombarding us with messages. The world is, is throwing things at us and telling us things all the time on our phones, on TV, on the radio. Things like happiness is found in buying things. Security is found in, in money, status, good health. Get all you can for yourself as fast as you can. Always seek pleasure, convenience, and comfort. You deserve it. You're not responsible for anybody but yourself. Life here on earth is all that there is, so live it up. These are the messages that we hear over and over again, but these are not the messages that give us that experience of God's peace and calm. Some of the storms of life that we go through are self-imposed. We make decisions and we put ourselves in situations that, that we don't necessarily need to put ourselves in. But what we all seek, regardless of who we are, is that balance, that, that, that wonderful balance of emotional and mental stability and security. But guess what? That doesn't happen on its own. We have to work towards it. We have to be intentional to find it. There was this group of sociologists. I was a, a double major in college, religion and sociology. Don't ask me why, I just found it interesting. So I added sociology as a double major, and there was a, a group of sociologists that got together one time, and they did a, a research project and exchanged notes and data, and, and they were trying to uh, identify the things that lead human beings to peace of mind. And, and this is, they came up with all this data, and then they condensed it into eight or nine things. And I, and I find myself coming back to this this project that they did years ago because these things are so true. Here's the first thing. The absence of suspicion and resentment. Nursing a grudge was a major factor in unhappiness. Resentment is like poison. It's toxic. It, 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 it just gets our mind and, and our blood pressure up and it, it accomplishes nothing. The second thing they said was, was don't live in the past. An unwholesome preoccupation with old mistakes and failures, that leads to depression. Number three, don't waste time and energy in life fighting conditions that you cannot change. Cooperate with life sometimes instead of trying to run from it or dig in against it. Four, force yourself to stay involved with the living world, resist the temptation to just withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. You know, sometimes people get stressed out or they go through a hard time or, 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 or a tragedy and they just remove themselves. They take themselves away from the community and they just kind of live in isolation. And, and that's not the answer. We're social beings. We need each other. We, we need uh, the relationships. We need the support, the interaction Number five was refuse to indulge in self-pity when life hands you a raw deal. Accept the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. You know, pity parties. We feel bad for ourselves. We, we say, well, we're the victims. We, we, sometimes you, you just got to move on. Cultivate, this is number six, cultivate the old-fashioned virtues of love and humor, compassion and loyalty. 
These are old-fashioned virtues for a reason. They're classic. They're timeless. Number seven, don't expect too much of yourself. How's that for this culture? Don't expect too much of yourself. When there is too wide of a gap between self-expectation and your ability to meet the goals that you have set, then feelings of inadequacy are inevitable. And the last thing this group of sociologists said was, find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Self-centered, egotistical people score lowest in any test for measuring happiness. Find something bigger than yourself to believe in, to be a part of, because people that are just focused on themselves are usually pretty miserable. I found that study fascinating and the research really interesting. Jesus says to the wind and the waves, peace be still. And maybe we need to hear these words this morning, peace be still. The storms of our lives, whatever they may be, they will come and they will go. Uh, You've heard me say before that, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody said you're either going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. Now that might sound like a cynical way to live your life, but oftentimes if you think about it, that's true. You're going into the storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. So the question is not how can we avoid the storms in our life. The question is what can we do in the midst of the storms to find a sense of calm, to manage our anxiety, to not let the wind and the waves overwhelm us and scare us and terrify us. I love Philippians chapter 4. Paul says these words, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, and Paul says think about these things. Spend your life thinking about the things that are good, that are right, that are positive, that are going to help you live a better life. But before he gets to that, Paul says something else. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we all long to experience that peace of God on a regular basis. And guess what? We can. We can. When the winds are howling and the rain is falling and the waves are are beating against the boat, your boat, Jesus says, why are you afraid? You have little faith. Peace. Be still. Amen.